Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS College Bookstore. Myself, Cameron Drummond, coming to you with Murphy Wheeler. We uh, just finished up our Sunday of work at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, coming to you in the aftermath of Ohio State 55, Indiana 52, uh, capped off a week featuring two games for the Hoosiers. Of course, they had the big win at Michigan State last weekend, but in the in-between time since we last spoke with you, we have a home loss to Iowa on Thursday night, a home loss to Ohio State here on Sunday afternoon. Um, this is a team that's now lost, what, nine of its last ten nine games? Nine of its last ten, yeah. It's only got two wins in the entire calendar year of 2019 that win against Illinois to put them at 3-0 and in Big Ten play. And since then, they've lost every game but the Michigan State one. They're literally 4-9 and in conference after starting out 3-0. and um, yeah. If anyone, it was a nationally televised game on CBS, so I'm sure all you guys listening watched the game, heard about it in some manner. Uh, Murphy, it was a rough, it was a rough game. It was yeah. a rock fight. No, it was definitely a rock fight. And, uh, it was a slog, too. I mean, it just, like, it was just... Ter- I'm not going to lie. Just if bad you wa- basketball. No, that's what I was going to say. If you watched it, you wasted your time, in my opinion, because that was horrible Big Ten basketball. A horrible excuse for a Big Ten It was kind of like, like when you... Ta- it made me mad. When you talk about the stereotypical, this is what a Big Ten basketball game looks like, it's, you know, X team against X team scoring in the 50s on a snowy Sunday afternoon in X Big Ten location. Like, this one kind of... Checked all the boxes between between two teams that aren't particularly good. I don't think Ohio State's very good. I don't. I don't think they're a very good team. Uh, they're six and six in the conference, uh, and they were ranked pretty high at one point during the season. Yep. Um, but I really think they're not that good, and they showed. I think they showed that today because they only pulled out a three point win against IU, who one is playing not very well right now, except for Michigan State. I think. And yeah. they played. Very, very bad today, and it was okay. it was hard to watch. So let's kind of like let's dive into that a little bit now. Yeah. So Indiana is bad, and Indiana has not been playing good as a very surface level observation. That's true, but that's what I mean. Again, lost ten of their or nine of their last ten games, and it's just the way that these losses have come by. We've had close games, Iowa, Ohio State, where. Indiana's got into the hole early. They've had to kind of, you know, fight their way back in the first and second halves. They sometimes get maybe a brief lead like they did with about two minutes to go against Ohio State today. But these games where they're not executing particularly well in crunch time in the second half have come along with, you know, those really bad home performances against Nebraska, against Michigan, where there's just no heart, no energy you from the count, team. You can count today as one of those. You can count today if you want. And then also you have the road performances where – Michigan State aside, they went to Purdue, got smacked around. They went to Rutgers, obviously had kind of what we thought was the bottoming out point of the season to that point. I guess maybe we can say it's gotten a bit lower since then. I think this may be lower, yes. But with seven regular season games left, they're just in a terrible spot that they put themselves well, into. Yeah, they have, and they and it's just good. It's a good point to bring up that they've done this to themselves because it's the same thing. Every game, and even when even when Indiana was winning games, and nothing changes. Even when Indiana was winning games in non-conference play, the slow starts and getting out of the gate and allowing you know middling non-conference teams. You see Davis comes to mind to control the game and to open up a comfortable five to ten point margin and kind of maybe coast with that for the rest of the game. In non-conference play, they're able to kind of turn that around pretty well, but it just hasn't. You can only dig your hole so deep. 
And right. in Big Ten play, the Hoosiers have kept doing it, and they just can't get out of the hole. Right. And here's the thing. I'll tell you what it comes down to is this team has no sense of urgency whatsoever. Today, you had to come into this game against Ohio State. This was an absolute must-win if you want to play in March. And they had they did not come with, in with any sense of urgency at all. I mean, all. for the record, Indiana will be playing in March because they, they have a scheduled game March 1st against okay, Rutgers. Okay, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. But, I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. This was the kind of game you have to be up for. What do they do? They come out and get up behind 11-2 to two or something like that. 11-2 was the a start from Ohio State. it's the same every game. You see it with their starts in almost every game in this stretch. They just have no urgency to them whatsoever. And you're not going to win games like that. You're just not. And, you know, there's other – I mean, there's all sorts of things that could be changed right now with this team, problems they've had all season. Obviously, their offense is just horrid at this point. It's something that's limiting the team. Where are the adjustments with the offense? Where are they coming from? Because I have not seen them yet at all. Like, I just don't – I don't know what the plan is there. There's no movement whatsoever. No movement whatsoever on that offense. I think that was something that we saw particularly at the start of today's game against Ohio State was just the consistency with which Indiana will have offensive possessions that go late into the shot clock. Ohio State did a really good job of using their bigs and kind of walling off the paint today, forcing Indiana to take those outside shots. But it does seem like for a team that's not good at three-point shooting, not good at outside shooting in general, you know, talking about like, 15 to 18 foot mid-range jumpers Indiana settles a lot of the time for those kinds of shots shots. why are you not attacking the rim more and it's not even the guards I mean Jawan Morgan had frankly his worst game of the season today one of seven from the field oh of four from three point range only finishes with three points had a monster day in terms of rebounds though 14 rebounds so that was you know one of the positives he brought to the table but when you again when you look at that stat sheet oh of four from three point range it kind of worked out for Romeo Langford who has not had a good three-point shot this season. He shot seven of them, made three, missed one toward the end. Oh, yeah. That would have given Indiana the lead with maybe ten seconds to go. But it just, I mean, what's the, what's the word again where, you know, you do the same thing every time and you expect a different outcome? Insanity, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's true. I mean, it's, it's what it gets down to at this point in the season. So, wait, so kind of going there, before we go away from that point real quick, you're talking about wanting to see offensive adjustments. What isn't working right now and what right. do you want done about it. Well, I mean, we we showed, we talked about it a little bit, just, you know, obviously, <coughs> they're not going to hit shots. They're just not going to hit outside shots. We have to accept that at this point. So, why, like you said, why are they settling for shots like that? And, uh, it, again, it comes down to attacking the ball, attacking the rim more, and it comes down to maybe more pick-and-roll opportunities. Obviously, you would think Jawan Morgan and Romeo Langford would be a good pick-and-roll combination there. Uh, but we never see it. We never see it. And, again, the movement off the ball is so bad. I mean, it really is. It just it's, – it's hard to watch at times because – I mean, there's a good example tonight uh, or today because um, at one point in time, Juwan, it was in the first half, Jawan Morgan got the ball and uh, he got triple teamed by Ohio State. Ohio State they was doing three that guys, they, they did too. a good job on Morgan today, actually. But then he got triple teamed at one point, and as he's standing there with the ball and they're all swarming in on him, nobody moved. Nobody on IU moved at all. Deron Davis could have went from one block to another, and he could have probably got a layup, but he didn't move. No one moved. Rob Finnessy ran away from the ball. What are you, I mean, what are you going to do? <coughs> you want to talk about the outside shooting? 
one of the things that kind of powered IU's outside shooting to start the season was the play of Rob Finnessy. I mean, everyone kind of maybe remembers the Butler three-pointer as the crowning moment of the year so far, but he had a really consistent jump shot, really consistent three-point shot, and for whatever reason, be it lack of confidence, be it the recovery process after the concussion that he suffered back in late December, he just really has not had the same ability to make deep shots since returning and returning to the yeah. starting lineup. And even say, uh, I was kind of remarking with some of the media members that I was sitting with that he was getting open shots and shots that he probably would have shot without hesitation maybe in November, early December. And now he's hesitating. He's passing out of it. And that's... That comes down to a confidence thing too. Yeah. And I feel like the confidence level is very low with a lot of guys on this team. You could say that just about... I mean, I can think of a few guys off the top of my head that look like they have no confidence in their shot at a lot of different times. Evan Fitzner's gotten to that point. I will uh, say, Evan Fitzner did make a three-pointer today. He first, did. His first home Sound three, the alarm. His first home three-pointer since December 19th against Central Arkansas. But the one thing in Fitzner's defense, I mean, he's obviously not had the season that we kind of thought that his trajectory would have taken him on after Maybe. Marquette, after Duke. But I will say that even when he was at his most lost in terms of confidence and his lowest points in terms of not making shots, he was at least like still putting the shots up. Right. No, I, I don't. I mean, I mean, um, it, was, it was a classic example of you know trying to shoot your way through the slump or whatever. Right. And you know the thing is, and a lot of value guys, I guess, to that point, just aren't necessarily taking those shots now. You want to talk about Justin they Smith? Have maybe somebody, Justin Smith, another guy that struggles with confidence. It seems like at times they got to have somebody step up and shoot though. Because they just – they don't have anything. They don't have anything at all. They have no answers when it comes to outside shooting. And obviously it hurts their offense, and it's going to hurt any offense. But you've seen it really come back to bite them so many times in this stretch. You've seen people just take away things that they know they're going to do, because, and they'll just sit back, they'll pack into a zone, they'll sit back and let them shoot, and they're not going to make them. And that's – I mean – you got to be much better defensively if you're not going to score, and they're not good enough defensively either. And something that kind of sunk IU against Ohio State today was also the fact that while the outside shooting hasn't been consistent, hasn't been something that this IU team is known for, and that was the case again today, IU missed a ton of stuff at the rim today. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know what they did right today. I honestly don't. Like, we could just point out anything <laughs> that happened in this game today and say, well, they, they didn't do that well. They didn't do this well <laughs> they because did, they didn't do they, anything. I well. will say offensively, offensively was awful. Yeah, I will say defensively they forced a good amount of turnovers. Had some really nice sure. transition buckets. Sure, I think they won the points off turnover battle twenty one fourteen. Yeah, they forced fifteen Ohio State turnovers. Twelve to two fast break point but advantage here, for IU. That's, that's not bad. But again, that's defense generating the offense. Well, here's another thing. I'm not sure if they're deep. I think those numbers may be a little distorted. Because I think Ohio State was really bad today, too. Okay, so I think their offense was just really bad also. But, I mean, again, it was an absolute rock fight. <laughs> it was so hard to watch. And, I, I mean, that's, I, that's, I, that's where that comes down to. I think that's where that, those numbers are coming from. Because <coughs> I don't think Ohio State was very good today either. Right. Uh, something that I think has also kind of become apparent with this more holistic look at the, you know, losing nine of their last ten games for yeah. Indiana – is just the fact that while Jawan Morgan and Romeo Langford are clearly the two most talented players on the team, they're clearly the two most relied upon scoring options. We saw with IU's out-of-bounds play with maybe 40 seconds left, I think. Yeah. The, the play was 
to Morgan trying to set up Langford for a post-up. So those are the two guys that are going to be featured in the offense. Those are the two guys that Archie Miller rightfully trusts with, you know, putting the game in their hands. Neither one of them quite has the ability to single-handedly take over and win the game. Right. I think that's fair to say. No, I think, well, I think they have the ability. But they haven't shown it, I guess. Especially not in this stretch. They have... They've shown it at times this season. Uh, Romeo, I can think back to the Illinois game. He had really he took over. Morgan, a- Morgan against, against Butler. Butler. Yeah, thirty-five Absolutely. points. Absolutely. But that's I mean, but not now. Few and far between. Yeah. And now, now they're not even close to that that level of play. No. Yeah. Not someone where like you can just not the Marcus Howard effect for Marquette. Not right. the well Duke's got three guys who you can just give the ball to and they can just right. do it. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's hard to have, and I, I don't think a lot of teams have that honestly. Right. But if you have that, then things like losing nine of ten don't happen because Probably. at some point a flip gets switched and someone just goes bananas for a game. Right. And I think that's why people get frustrated with Romeo a lot because they want him to be that, and he's just not. He's just not that guy. Which not isn't and necessarily he, his fault. No, and I think it comes down to a system thing it, com- it comes down to just who's on the floor at the time who he's playing with his teammates in general um, it comes down to a lot of different things and again I think he maybe has the ability to be that guy but they I'm not going to say they don't need him to be it's just it's just hard for him to be that guy in this system I would say right how do you think the system's working for Romeo? well Romeo in particular I think at times he, you know, I think it works to his favor at times, but more often than not, I feel like, again, he just gets lost in this weird rotationless offense they have, and he just kind of sits over there waiting for an open shot. Like, he kind of sits there off the ball, just sitting and waiting, and then it ends up being an outside shot, which he hasn't had very consistently. So I don't know that, I mean, that's not. That's not good, obviously, and that's where he doesn't fit in. Um, now, if he had a better jumper, sure, but he doesn't. And it does work for him, though, when he's going towards the basket. It does – I mean, they clear out for him. They find a way to let him get there. We saw it earlier in the season. He did that a lot. Um, but, yeah, not now, though. Again, just it's not happening right now. I almost think that during that little period of the season where – Indiana had to rely on Romeo for more direct ball handling responsibilities during the period, especially when Finnessy was out mm-hmm. hurt, and even at the beginning of the season when we weren't sure what Finnessy would be when Devontae Green was out hurt. I kind of like that. I kind of wished we got a longer run of that. Of him handling the ball? Yeah. Yeah, he need. Well, again, he's a guy that needs the ball in his hands to make an impact. <clears throat> and, that, and that's what it comes down to. I think that would maybe work. Um... Now, when you have a guy like Fantasy handling the ball, it's nice, and you probably want him handling the ball more often than not. So I guess that opportunity's not really there anymore. But yeah, he needs the ball in his hands, and that that doesn't come down to just a system thing. That comes down to a Romeo thing too. He's got to actively look for the ball more. I mean, that honestly, I think that's what he has to do. He has to actively look to at least try to be that guy that takes over, and I feel like. That's not happening a lot right now. And maybe he's another guy that is struggling with confidence. I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be, I mean, it's just human nature, right? Like, there probably isn't too many I can't people imagine any of them having confidence right Scott now. Scott Howard's confidence. They maybe, Jake, maybe Jake Forrester. 
Maybe. We saw him putting up uh, maybe an hour after the game, or two hours after the game, he was up putting up jump shots, trying out fancy dunks, like putting in the work. He didn't see any action against Ohio State, but I mean, good sign to see a young guy still trying to get better each day, but... Sure. I guess to that point, that was trying to be my segue into the idea of Indiana's rotation of players. Oh, rotation. And how we didn't see someone like Jake Forrester against Ohio State. We didn't see Clifton Moore. We didn't see Ray Thompson. We were talking about this with uh, Ben Ladner of Inside the Hall after the game. Just kind of the idea of Indiana really is stuck with kind of what it has. We saw a little run of Evan Fitzner today. He played four minutes. Demise Anderson played you know two minutes. You know what you're going to get from him, though. You know what you're going to get from Fitzner. Right. Yeah, Anderson, I am not really it, high on him it, being it in the It seems rotation. like every single game, Archie basically handpicks one of the young guys to, to have maybe a three- to five-minute yeah. course of playing time. Like, we never see Clifton Moore and Jake Forrester and Demise in the same game unless right. situations necessitate it. Right. Today, it looked like, I guess, it was Demise. And it wasn't that long, obviously. It was two, two minutes, minutes, yeah. And, again, I'm not overly high on Anderson being in the rotation because, one, they don't really need another guard in that group. And I mean, he's listed as a forward, but at the same he's time, not a forward. Like, he's yeah. a guard. He's and a, he gets lost on defense all the time. So, I mean, I just don't feel like he's the answer. They do need some more depth in the front court, obviously. Um, I think Forrester can be that guy at times. Now, the dude's probably going to foul out every game. But we were talking about with Ben kind of trading off his mistakes for his athleticism. Whereas, he plays it, hard. if him and Evan Fitzner are going to make the same mistakes on defense, you'd probably rather have the more athletic guy. Maybe. In there to try and, you know, kind of counteract that. If Fitzner can hit, if Fitzner is hitting shots and he hit one today. He did. If he, he is that guy, then I want Fitzner in the game over him. Yeah. But if he's not, like he was for a very, very long stretch, which this could just be, this was just one shot today, so he could still be in that stretch. But if he's not consistently hitting shots, then yes, I would put Forrester in over him. But if you have confidence in him to hit those shots, I would put Fitzner in. Now, Outside of those guys, outside of Forrester, who probably, I see, could probably get a few more minutes here and there. Um, Moore, Clifton Moore, don't think he's the answer right now. Again, we kind of talked about he still has a lot of developing to do. Um, he's, he's a sophomore. Uh, don't know really what their plan is with him at this point. Then you get to Race Thompson, who's finally dressing. And Just supposedly, a complete question mark. Supposedly was going to play some today, and he didn't. Um, so I, I, we just don't know anything about him. So I feel like I, I feel like Thompson's a bigger dude. Like I feel like he's pretty strong, and he probably can bang around in the post a little bit. And that's another guy they kind of really need um, because I think Davis is that guy, but. You can't play him for long stretches of time anyway. Yeah, I mean, while the losing has basically continued, aside from the Michigan State game, Deron Davis's addition has been he's been pretty good. welcome for the team. He led them in plus-minus today. He's had really good, not only performances in terms of impacting the team in something like plus-minus and just being a veteran presence on the court, but also his assists and passing has been really oh, yeah, good. Yeah, his passing has been really or good. Or something that's just kind of, you know, popped up in the last two or three yeah, games that he's I, come back to. Yeah, I don't know if I really remember him ever thinking, wow, Deron Davis is a really good passer. I always thought Jawan Morgan was a very, very good passer. Which he still is. He is. He's very good. But Deron Davis Especially is also... getting out of the po- po- passing out of the post. Yeah. Jawan Morgan is one of the best in the country at that. 
Um, Deron Davis, yeah, especially at the high post. Yeah. He's been really good at that. I really want them to play him and Morgan together a little bit more. Um, Archie mentioned they did that, that today. In, he mentioned that in passing post game, saying that I think he played them together for maybe two or three minutes, yeah. but also that Deron Davis's foul situation towards the end meant yeah. that he was on the bench while Morgan was in there. Right. Of course, he probably could have still played him and just had him foul out and put him back on the bench, but right. we don't get paid to uh, make those decisions. That's true. And I, I just would like to see them play a little bit more together. I think that could be kind of dangerous there in the high post, low post sort of thing because I think both you can just kind of switch them in and out. Yeah. And you have a lot of you know flexibility when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that maybe would be something I'd like to see more of when it comes down to rotation um, because – you got to have – if you put Fitzner in, you have to have one of those two guys in because Fitzner's not going to go inside and be that guy. Yeah. Um, and Smith, maybe a little bit of the same way. Smith's pretty good defensively. Um, but offensively, if he's your guy down low, you're probably not going to get a lot done. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, now, I would have liked – I've also said a rotation that I'd like to see are in the front court, a front court uh, pairing I'd like to see more of is Smith and Forrester together. I would really like to just see them – one game, now they're not going to do this, and it would probably be stupid. But I, it would just be interesting to me to see Morgan and Davis just go together the entire game and just have Smith and Forrester come in for them at certain times, go together the entire game. It kind of throw, it would throw people off. I feel like those, those are pretty good pairings with each other. Because Smith and Forrester, they're going to play extremely hard. They're going to be athletic. It's going to be... They're going to be terrible defensive liabilities. Well, Smith, Smith's a good defender. Now, Forrester... Well... Justin Smith is a good defender. Hold on. We'll pick this debate up right after we take a quick break here on the Indiana Daily (laughs) Student Men's Basketball Podcast. Stay tuned. You're going to want to hear this. TIS College Bookstore has been outfitting generations of IU fans for over 56 years, and we have the largest selection of IU apparel and gifts in Bloomington. Start your holiday shopping with 25% off one regular priced apparel or gift item at iugear.com when you use promo code IUBB. If you're in town for the game, stop by TIS and show us your athletic ticket stub, and we'll give you 25% off one IU sportswear item. TIS College Bookstore, representing everything IU. Welcome back to the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS College Bookstore. We left you on a bit of a cliffhanger there. Yeah, Mur- we did. Murphy and I were getting heated over, I believe it was... Justin a- Smith and Jake's defense. Yes, well, I was saying the idea of Justin Smith and Jake Forrester playing time together at the forward spots versus... It'd maybe be fun. Also having a system where Juwan Morgan and Deron Davis play together. For our perspective, it would be like a goldmine because, you know, the storylines kind of write themselves. I use old generation versus I use new generation of players. Bit, yeah. But, okay, let's get into Justin Smith's defense just, okay. just briefly. Then okay, we'll, then let we'll me take, explain. Then we'll take a look at the uh, Hoosiers kind of NCAA tournament profile to round things off. But let's, let's go to Justin Smith because I feel like Justin Smith does a good job in his play of encapsulating what this Indiana season has been. Just a roller coaster ride. You know, he can have the really good moments. He can have the really bad moments. He can look, you know, poised beyond his years on the court, but he can also look completely lost like he was on the final play when – Ohio State was able to get loose for a dunk, I believe it was Andre Wesson, who kind of, you know, slipped by Smith after he hedged too hard and found his way to the basket for the winning points. All right, so make your case about Justin Smith's defense. I think Justin Smith is a good defender. Now, is he consistently good? Not always. And we saw that today with that final play for Ohio State. Um, But, no, I, I think he's a fine defender for IU. I think he's one of their better ones. 
Um, and I think he has a lot of potential when it comes to defense as well because I think he's athletic, he's kind of long, um, and he's kind. I mean, he's getting stronger. Um, I could say he could still get a little bit stronger, but he has gotten stronger in a year. Um, so I think he can guard a lot of different positions. I also think the amount he plays, and he does, and he does guard some tough assignments a lot as well. I was say the amount he plays, I feel like we kind of forget that he's a sophomore at times. Yeah. I mean, Grant, this is a young Indiana team, but he's obviously not quite as polished as a Finnessy or a Langford. But he's playing, you know, between twenty five to thirty five minutes a night. Yeah. In some games, you know, we got, everyone's got, like, the Justin Smith game or something when he has eight rebounds and 12 points or something like that. Yeah, Michigan State. Yeah, I just don't think we've had the consistency from him. I mean, either on offense or defense. I just think that there are moments on defense where he can just get boxed out way too easily or where he's just not rotating in the correct way. I feel like every, Again, time, I feel like every time I see a bad rotation by IU on defense, Justin Smith is involved in it somehow. It comes it, Again, it comes down to consistency, man, because I think – he does have some really good flashes, um, and I think they. I think the good flashes outweigh the bad ones in a in a way. Is that kind of like an offense defense trade off, or how do you view that then? What do you mean? Like so, when you're playing Smith on the court, do you feel like you have to sacrifice any bit of it, or no? I don't think you have to sacrifice. As we mentioned, it. You also have to. his offense is. Very much like his defense, he not quite consistent. He had a really nice move today, drove to the basket, had a layup, which came maybe two possessions after he just airballed the living daylights out of a 15-foot yes, shot that seemed to arc. It arced literally like a rainbow and fell like five feet short of the basket. It was awful. It was, it was something. But I so, mean, he's very inconsistent on offense. That is the infuriating thing, though, too. As I guess you kind of see what he can do. He can't hit a shot, though. He can't hit an outside shot. Yeah. Well, so, the other thing, too, about that is defenses are giving him, giving IU in general more space around the perimeter because they know, you know, just pack the paint, let Indiana take their outside shots if they beat you that way, kind of, you know, agreement or whatever Michigan State. If they beat you with three points and beat you with outside shots, which they're not likely to do based on their percentages of hitting outside shots, then, you know, you tip your cap and you move on. But they're giving Justin Smith in particular a ton of room around the three-point line. Yep. Took one early in the game against Ohio State. Man, I don't even remember. Took one, missed it, and that was the only one he took. I feel like Justin Smith wasn't even there today. There was like a few guys that I just felt like weren't even there today. Smith was one of them. Where was Al Durham? Yeah. I mean, I feel like Al Al Durham Durham wasn't even in the building. Al Durham had three consecutive games of scoring 11 or more points, entering Ohio State, took two shots, scored two points. Yep. I don't know where he was at. Where was Fennessey at for a lot of times? I don't know. So I think you can say I think we can have this conversation. This is where I'm getting at with this. I think we can have this conversation about inconsistencies and what's wrong with especially their offense, the offensive abilities. We could have that conversation about anybody on this team. Yeah, just about. I think you could maybe not have it. You could probably say Morgan's fairly consistent. Maybe not today, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think you could say that just about anybody, and it's not going to change. It's just not. They, they have not shown any flashes of change at all this season. So on that topic, let's kind of look at this. Let's look ahead. The entire Indiana season in a holistic kind of way. So Well, let's start by this. we got seven regular season games left. Indiana yeah. is 13-11 overall, 4-9 in conference play. And then after the conclusion of the final seven regular season games, we got the Big Ten tournament uh, during Indiana spring break 
in Chicago, Illinois, which will be their covering for the IDS. Yeah. So that's the scene. Okay. You can say something. Well, let's start with this. First of all, this loss today, the reason why it was so important was because this was the make-or-break moment when it came to their resume to make the NCAA tournament. You think so? Yes, I think this was the make-or-break moment. Because you're at 10 losses, this one puts you at 11. This was one of those games in these final, whatever it was, seven games. There are seven games left now, so eight going so into the So in the final left. eight, this was one of those that you should, that IU should have conceivably, conceivably won against the Ohio State team that struggled lately at home. This is the game. And they didn't win it. So now you look ahead, that's one that you probably, I think Ben and I said on a past or a podcast maybe last week, where in the last nine games, we were looking at the last nine games, and they needed to win five of those to be in the tournament. And that Ohio, this Ohio State game was one of those. One of the more winnable be, options. One of, the most, one of the best options to be one of those five wins. And now you've got to go find it somewhere else. Are you going to do it at Minnesota? Probably not. They're, that's a tough place to play. Minnesota's not a bad team. I would put them on the same category as Ohio State, kind of in the middle. But also road game. Indiana, as we know, has been just and awful a tough place to play. on the road this season in terms of consistently winning on the road, Michigan State right. aside. Are you going to beat Purdue at home? Well, here's the thing. Probably not. The seven games left do <coughs> excuse me, still present opportunities. In particular, Purdue at home, Wisconsin at home, and Michigan State at home. But I guess the counter, you know, balance thing that both the committee is going to have to assess and, I mean, Indiana fans have to assess with their expectations for the team now is winning one of those three games, winning two of those three games enough to offset what's been, you know, just a terrible start to the 2019 year. And also, aside from that, they could beat Purdue at home and they could beat Michigan State at home. Let's give them those two wins in, like, hypothetical world. If you lose... The other five games, it probably doesn't matter too much. You know what I mean? If you win those two games? Like, let's say you beat Purdue. That's not going to happen, though. Because I know not gonna it, it's not going to happen, but the idea is just like they had the great performance at Michigan State, right? With the right. win. And they kind of like pulled that one out of thin air and won the game. But it doesn't really mean anything now because they went on and they lost the two next games after that. Right. So they could pop up and, you know, play really inspired against Purdue or really inspired at home against Michigan State, get that win, a ranked win, put that on the resume. But if they still end up losing, you know, six of their last seven games, five of their last seven games, aside from those special performances, then the the consistency has to be there along with the quality wins. And right now, Indiana's NCAA tournament profile has quality wins, but does not have consistency. Right. No, and... I mean, like you said, they have some really good wins on their resume, actually. And the potential to still get really good wins with the rest of the season. Right. But it doesn't matter if you don't win at Illinois, home against Rutgers, at Minnesota, things like that. I mean, honestly, I think they have to win out. You think? I think they have to win out. Because let's say even if they... Okay, before we get... So let's morph this into the thing I was talking about right beforehand. A little NCAA tournament in and out thing. Okay. What's the case for Indiana to be in the NCAA tournament? Right now. Right now. What do they have going Quality wins. That's what they have. They have Marquette, Louisville, Michigan State. Those are three top 15 wins. That's pretty good. Um, other than that, what I, 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 don't, I honestly have no clue. They're also not trending in the oh, right No, I'll tell you either. what gets them in is there's a weak bubble. A lot of these teams on the bubble, it's very, very weak this year. 
Um, and there's a lot of teams like IU. A, a good example is Texas. Texas oh. has got... Shaka Smart and the Longhorns. Texas that strikes got, deep for me. They got three top 15 wins. And last time I checked, now that's probably changed since then, but they were like 12 and 10. So they are in a very similar situation. That's a pretty apt comparison, actually. And that's just kind of where the teams are at on the bubble right now. So I feel like IU just kind of is in that conversation just because... I mean, I think any other year, I don't think IU... is IU's barely on the bubble. Last year, they're barely on the bubble. <laughs> so Indiana's only close to being in the tournament because of the bubble being weak yes. and everyone else in the country yes. kind of being bad. Yes. Something that also I think helps Indiana's NCAA tournament case, just going to say it, having Romeo Langford. Okay. That's going to help. Being Indiana is yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Indiana is not Furman. They are not San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They are not... Um, hey, I don't San know. Francisco has... Insert, insert your favorite... titles. Insert your favorite mid-major team here. Indi- Temple. Indiana's not Temple. They're not Richmond. Um, Richmond? Yeah, the Spiders. Why? I'm Why just, you say I'm just naming mid-majors now. Okay. Indiana has more cachet than any of those teams, which in a bubble debate, I know it's not an official metric. It's not you know something you can measure in RPI or the NET. You're right, though. But in that room, you're kind. Of, if you don't think that being Indiana is going to help them get in, you're crazy. No, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that's probably the other thing that helps them get in, but... There's, if they were to get in, I suppose. Right. But I think there's probably too much holding them back right now. So, Indiana out of the NCAA tournament, make the case. Uh, Well, for one, their record. They're 13-11. It's not it, good. It is a very obtuse-looking record. Right. It's it not it good. never looks good when there's double digits in the losses column, no matter who the losses are to. Right. And, and they're going to finish. We can almost... 4-9 in conference, they're going to finish 500 or worse in conference. Right. We can infer that. Right. So, that doesn't help. Um, and then, of course, they're just trending downward right now. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like that has to go into consideration. I don't know how much it does because I'm not part of the committee. But it does look... I wish I was. It would look better if you start out the season terrible than won 9 of 10 going into the tournament right. rather than the right. vice versa of exactly. what Indiana's doing. Exactly. That's what hurts them. And I think that's what's keeping them out right now because right now, they're out. In my opinion, yeah, they're out. I think I think we can. I think a lot of us are in the same idea this, that they, they still have a chance to play their way back in, but right now they're out. I think they have to win out. I'm telling you, I think they have to win out. And even, and the team has also given no indication that they have the ability to turn it around. Right. I mean, if, you, if you start win winning a couple win games in a row, Iowa and Ohio State tournament. were two great opportunities. Yep. Michigan State as the turning point. Yep. But Michigan State just seems like more of an anomaly than yep. anything else. They they have to win. They could win the Big Ten tournament conceivably. That's not going to happen. And this histor- team's not going to do it. His- Let's just get down to the actual point of all of this. Historically, this Indiana team also is not, not going to win a game in the Big Ten tournament. That's true. But this team, it just comes down to this team is not good enough to do it. They're not. Good collection of individuals. Like good individuals. Sure. But together... They're well, we were, just, we were talking about this in the aftermath of Ohio State in the press room with some media folks as well. This is a really talented team. Congrats to them. And we're, and we're talking about maybe five or six years down the road how disappointing or how much are we going to feel like this Indiana team underachieved by, if they don't make the NCAA ter- tournament, not making the NCAA tournament, let alone not meeting people's 
expectations from earlier this year being an Elite Eight, a Sweet 16, or anything like that. Yeah. You know? It's going to be extremely disappointing. It's already extremely disappointing. Yeah. That's where we are with the Hoosiers right now. So Sorry to leave you off on a dark note there. But this team... You got anything positive to say this, about anything in this, general? This team is playing bad basketball. Um, we'll be with you for another month, so if you appreciate our stories that's, and our I columns, positive. then thank you for sticking with us, and we hope you keep doing it. we got seven more games. Only one game for Indiana next week, next Saturday, 2 p.m., Eastern Time, they are at Minnesota to take on the Golden Gophers at the barn. Uh, be sure to stick with us at IDSnews.com. We'll have everything you could possibly want before, during, and after the game as Indiana just tries to fight its way out of a really bad run of games and a run of games that is probably costing it a chance to even have an opportunity at a March Madness run, let alone affecting seed lines. So, from Murph Wheeler, I'm Cameron Drummond. That'll do it, and we'll speak to you guys soon.